0: Hey, good morning, everyone. You know, today we're uh, continuing the journey through the Book of Acts, and we're going to be doing that a lot throughout the course of the year. And one of the things that we come across through the Book of Acts is the fact that uh, if we're a follower of Jesus, we're we're meant to live in the supernatural. Now, don't get freaked out by that because it it can can sound pretty freaky, but we're meant to live in the supernatural naturally in a way which is just natural for us. Now, I want to tell you a little story which illustrates this. Uh, The Thursday before last, Sharon was about to head down the northwest coast and um, she was leaving our home here in Launceston and coming down to Eccleston Road. Now, when we get to the junction at Eccleston Road, we always turn right uh, to go down to West uh, Tamer Highway and then to Exeter and up the Frankfurt Highway, etc. I reckon probably in all of the years, uh, and we've been going down the northwest coast to a holiday place for about 24 years now. So that's a lot of trips that we've been going down there. I reckon about three times I've actually turned up the hill and turned left. And I don't think Sharon's ever done that before. Uh, I don't think uh, when she's been driving she's ever gone that way. But, you know, she, she knows the, the way, but she just hasn't done it. So she, she felt a real prompting to go left. Why? She didn't have a clue. She just felt that she had to turn left, go up the hill instead of down the hill. Anyway, um, that way slightly longer. It's about five minutes longer <clears throat> and eventually when she came along Birrile Road turning onto Frankfurt Highway, she found that uh, there was a police blockade um, stopping cars going back down towards Exeter. What had happened was that there was actually a truck, a log truck that had actually rolled over and some of you know where the little, what used to be a church at Glengarry is, being converted to a house. <clears throat> As the truck uh, rolled over, some logs went off and some logs went crashing into the house. A fire started, and a small fire, and started burning along the, the road. The result was the police actually had to close that road for about four hours. Now, if Sharon had have actually gone the normal way, she would have been stuck there probably for a couple of hours. And uh, she just had a pretty big day here in the tail race, was pretty tired. It would be the last thing that she wanted. But she, she took notice of the nudging that she felt. I don't think she even realised it was actually God nudging her, but she just knew for some reason she had to go a different way. And as a result, she avoided the blockade, uh, the police blockade, and was just able to keep going straight through. You know, I think living supernaturally doesn't mean living in the weird. Uh, It's meant to be natural for us. Uh, And when we start living supernaturally, it will be life-changing. And that's what we're going to explore today. So before I go further, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you that you are an amazing God. And I thank you that you're with us here today through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us today. Uh, Lord, any hesitations that we might have, Lord, I just pray that you'll give us a sense of peace about. And just pray for your presence that you'll guide our thinking, guide our words, and just draw us all closer to you through today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, last week we saw how on the day of Pentecost, The apostles started speaking and people from many uh, different countries, many different nations, heard them in their own tongues. Now, we come to the point where the apostle Peter stood up to speak to the crowds. And this is part of what he said. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk. As you suppose, it's only 9 in the morning. You know, if that had been 9.30, maybe, but 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, they, they weren't drunk. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, I just want to stop here uh, for a second. Many of you, probably most of you, would have read this part of Acts chapter 2, where the, the prophet jo- Joel is quoted, as a prophecy uh, that Joel had given back in Old Testament times, and that Peter actually articulates, he speaks out here, are you familiar with that? Put up your hand if you're familiar with that. Now, if you're like me, you probably think this is one of these really, really awkward, obscure uh, parts of the New Testament and you read it, oh, blah, 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 and you skip over it, right? Well, not today. <laughs> not today. Today we're actually going to visit it and, and quickly go through it today because it's got some really important things to say. It starts off by saying, yeah, in the last days, God says... And well, first of all, the last days. Did you know that we're actually living in the last days right here, right now? Does that sound freaky to you? Everyone's silent, a deafening silence. Do you know when the last days actually started? When Jesus was crucified. You see, we look at, we look at uh, biblical timeframes and there was a, a period of time before, uh, before sin entered the world and the time of creation, uh, the time of the garden. And then uh, in Genesis chapter 3, we see that there is the fall that took place when sin came into the world. And then from Genesis chapter 3 all up until the time of Jesus, we see the working out of that. Um, there was, a, a if you like, a... a A plan was put in place for the restoration of mankind. But then from a time of Jesus, from a time of the crucifixion on, that's the last days. So we are living in the last days. So it's actually talking about this, this period of time here. Now, biblically, when the word day is mentioned... It can also mean, in this context, it can mean an indefinite period of time, or it can mean in the last seasons, in the last stanza of time. So we're not literally talking about 24-hour timeframes. And so this, as Peter Peter starts starts relaying the prophecy from Joel, he's actually saying, we're living in this last season of time. And he goes on and and says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young, young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Okay, what's he really saying? Well, I think Joel is, is prophesying about a time when the curse of the fall in Genesis chapter 3 has been removed. And we're coming into a time when when God is really, really doing a new thing. You see, he's saying that God will pour out his spirit, the Holy Spirit, on all people. Now, get this, irrespective of race, irrespective of gender, irrespective of age, or irrespective of social class, because we see them all mentioned up here. Now, let's just look at gender for a second. So... Instead of living in the the Genesis 3 through the rest of the Old Testament period of time, in the post-fall season when men and women were subject to different consequences, we're talking here about that God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit on all people, men and women alike. In fact it's a reflection of Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 where Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, so it's all peoples, all countries, all nations, neither slave nor free, so it's talking about no matter what social class you are, nor is there male or female, Uh, so gender doesn't matter, uh, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so this is what the Apostle Peter is saying, saying we're coming to a time, we've come into a time when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on everyone, irrespective of who you are, what your nationality is, what your ethnic origin is, what your gender is, what your social class is, the Holy Spirit is going to be given to all without limit. Now the passage goes on, And it says that the Holy Spirit will empower all people and will shape our thinking, will bring new paradigms to us, new ways of thinking with a result that we'll see visions, we'll we'll dream dreams, and people will prophesy. This is talking about new thinking that's actually coming into us. It's not just the thinking that we've accumulated as we've accumulated wisdom and experience over the years, but it's talking about God breaking through into our thinking so we have this new thinking coming upon us. It's like... Um, Peter was saying, and Joel was prophesying, it's like saying that we'll have new eyes and ears, supernatural ones, and these new eyes and ears are available to everyone, irrespective of whether you're a male or a female, young or old, uh, your ethnic origin or any of these things. It's going to be made available to you. Now, Scripture tells us that God's ways uh, aren't always our ways. We know this, don't we? Do we? Well, I think often we actually go through life thinking that um, because I'm, well, I'm 63, and, and so uh, I might say because I'm 63, I've had 63 years of living and experience and knowledge and wisdom. Therefore, this is, this, this is the natural thing to do. But you see, God's ways are supernatural, not just natural. And sometimes his ways are very, very different to ours. For example, he says, forgive those um, who are against you. Forgive your enemies. Seek to reconcile with those who have hurt you. Um, pray for those who curse you. Are these natural things to do? No, of course they're not. That's supernatural things to do because it's coming from God's perspective, his way of thinking. And as this, this passage is talking about as the Holy Spirit is poured out to all people, we'll start to catch more and more of the mind of God and be able to speak that out, be able to to articulate that, be able to walk in that rather than our our natural ways. So as we go on, the passage ends says, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. That sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? We don't want that here, do we? No, I don't think so. Um, It says that events out of our control take place that will shake our society. And when this happens, what happens? It forces us to rely on God because we can't rely on ourselves. Now, during the week, Michael and Kate's little uh, daughter, Philippa, came down with covid and um she's through it now that they've all had COVID but they had to take Philip to, to, to hospital uh late at night and for a five-week-old baby that's pretty scary I would think uh, to be taken to hospital with COVID now what could I do about it well all I could do was pray and boy did I pray but it was totally out of my control but I think this passage is saying that there are going to be things which are outside of our control. We can't control them. We can't do the practical things to actually bring about healing or bring about health or well but We look at around the world at the moment, the conflicts that are taking place in, in Palestine and the Ukraine and the Red Sea. Uh, we look at the rumours of wars and further wars that are taking place. Friends, I can't do anything about that. Neither can you. what we can do is pray and I think this passage is talking about the fact that there's some things that are going to be happening to us that we just can't control in any way but all we can do is pray and then the passage goes on and the Sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord again the day of the Lord talks about an indefinite period of time What's this saying? Well, you see, the sun was eclipsed whilst Jesus hung on the cross. And this signalled the beginning of a new season, which is the last days. Now, the red moon. What's the red moon? Well, the red moon that Joel referred to is called the harvest moon. And believe it or not, it happens on the 21st, 22nd of of September uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. And what happens is that um, uh, because of, uh, I guess, the the plane that the moon's at, the moon will start rising pretty well sunset uh, as the sun's going down. And it'll actually provide an extra couple of hours of light as a full moon uh, to people to bring in the harvest. And that is traditionally in the northern hemisphere when the harvest is actually brought in. But because the moon is, is shining not, not down but, but across it, as it happens, and I guess it's the particles in the atmosphere, often the moon looks red. Uh, so they call it a, the blood moon or the harvest moon. Now, what happens with a harvest moon? It always foreshadows the bringing in of a harvest, the great harvest. It always foreshadows the bringing in of a harvest. Pete Gregg, in his book, Red Moon Rising, writes this. He says, according to both the prophet Joel and the apostle Peter, God's heavenly logo for the days in which we live is the harvest moon, rising blood red and pregnant with possibilities, a red moon rises every, uh, over every generation, awaiting the one who will finally fulfil Christ's great commission to convey the gospel of the kingdom to every tribe and tongue. In this generation, we are witnessing the Holy Spirit being poured out upon tens of thousands of upper rooms, mobilising young people onto the streets, intoxicated with vision. Sons and daughters are beginning to speak prophetically to the culture. Older generations continue to dream and many people are crying out to be saved. Friends, I just want to pause here for a moment and just bring this together a little bit. I want you to understand that we are living in the last days as we have been uh, since Jesus was on the cross, since he died and rose from the dead. And I want you to understand that this prophecy is about this is a time of great harvest, the great end-time harvest, which may last for many years. I'm, I'm not saying that tomorrow's the end of the world or a thousand years' time is the end of the world. I wouldn't have a clue, um, and that's not my concern. But we're living in this time of harvest, and God has poured out his Holy Spirit on each and every one of us, available for each and every one of us to really receive and to grasp hold of, and to do our role as harvesters, bringing in the harvest. See, we saw a few weeks ago that Jesus predicted, uh, he talked about the Holy Spirit coming, and he said, he talked about when the Holy Spirit comes, we'll be empowered to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, the very ends of the earth. And friends, that's still what is happening today. Now the passage goes on in Joel, from Joel saying, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The saying that salvation will be given to everyone who turns to Jesus—that's your children, your parents, your partners, your friends, your enemies, even everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For darkening of, with the darkening of the sun, when Jesus is death on the cross being followed by the harvest moon makes it clear again that we're living in the day of the Lord, of a stanza of time, and that the Lord has determined will be the time of a great harvest where salvation will be available to everyone, irrespective of gender, race, social, class, or age. And the pouring out of a Holy Spirit has been given as a gift to all of us, for all of us to receive, not only to use to inherit salvation, but to empower us to bring salvation to others, to many others, as happened to Peter. So this all leads me to ask one question, which I think is a really important question. So are you all with me still? Okay. What just happened here? What just happened here? You see, it's easy to read this passage and to miss one of the biggest miracles in the Bible. I want you to think for a moment, what just happened here? You see, we see Peter here as the great apostle. But just seven weeks earlier, we see Peter as an uneducated fisherman who kept stuffing things up. We saw Peter as one who kept falling asleep when Jesus was was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and urging them to stay awake and and to to be there with him as he was praying. We um, We see Peter as the Jesus follower who was scared to be identified as such. We saw Peter as the one who just seven weeks previous, just seven weeks previous, he denied Christ three times. In fact, I came across an article that was entitled The 13 Failures of Peter. I'm sure that would have been a great encouragement if he could have read it. By the time Jesus was crucified, Peter confirmed that he was a failure. He confirmed to everyone. And let's put it like this. If the if future of the Christian church, the, the, the Christian church which is about to be birthed, <laughs> relied upon Peter and his buddies, guys, we were in trouble. We were in trouble. There's no way that it could actually take off and uh, be seen to be expanding and growing around the world. No way. But now just 50 days... After the crucifixion, we see a radically transformed Peter. He was bold, he was courageous, he was articulate, and God was using him powerfully. So what just happened here? What just happened? What turned an ordinary uneducated failure into one of the key leaders of the Christian faith? Well, what I'm about to say may come as a bit of a shock, and so just don't disregard me straight off. But Peter needed this to happen if he was actually going to become the apostle that Jesus called him to be. I'm going to talk about three points. The first of these points was that Jesus got out of the way. You think, how could that that be a, a benefit to Peter? Well, he got out of the way so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out. And whereas Jesus was in one place at a time, the Holy Spirit is worldwide. In John 16, 7, Jesus made it clear by saying that he must go, he must leave us so that the Holy Spirit could come because the Holy Spirit wouldn't be able to pour it out, be able to pour it out all over the world if Jesus was still here. So it also reminds me of a book that I read some years ago, and we did a series on this at the time. Uh, It was, I'd rather have the Holy Spirit inside of me than Jesus beside me. It's talking about the precious, precious nature of the Holy Spirit being given to all who want to receive and how God just doesn't have one person on the earth with a band of followers. He's got an army of people across the face of this earth who he wants to see rise up. And be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to do his work, not just in one place, but all over the world. And so as Jesus got out of the way and Peter was then filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter moved from being a follower to a leader. Jesus wasn't there anymore. Peter couldn't rely on him. He had to grow up. Now, one of the problems we face when, when we're under another leader is that, and if that leader is a competent leader, often we don't grow to our full potential. You know why? Because often that leader is a blockage, doesn't intend to be. But think about your small group, for those of you that are in small groups. If you've got someone who is a, a good small group leader, what are they doing for you every week? For leading the discussion, for leading the prayer, they're ministering to you, they're pastoring to you, which means you have to do What? not a lot, you have to receive it. So one of the the pathways to growth is actually seeing the person who was a follower step out and start assuming a responsibility of leadership. Do you know why why I became a pastor? What was that, Stephen? (laughs) Thanks, mate. Um, It was quite simple, really. It was because no one else was. Well, When we planted the church nearly 30 years ago, we were looking for the pastor. I remember we even went up to Newcastle uh, and interviewed a, uh, a guy up there about potentially becoming the first pastor of the church. And see, Sharon and I were just starting the church, but if there was going to be a pastor who could come along and, and lead it, we weren't going to be the past pastors. We weren't fit to be pastors. Some people would still say that today. Uh, just hold your voices here for a moment. But, but then uh, week one and the church was started and I looked around and saw a microphone in my hand and, and thought, well, I wonder how long I'll have to do this before so, a real pastor comes. And um, 30 years further on down the track, I'm still waiting. <laughs> no, that's not quite true. I'm about to pass the microphone over to Jono so, uh, in April, so that'll be fantastic. But that then brought about a, a season of growth for myself because I'd never pastored a church before. I'd never uh, been involved in ministry to that level before. And for some of you, I think it's an opportunity. It's time you took responsibility. It's time you actually thought, I want to grow. I don't want to have the lid that's over me by being uh, another uh, the small group leader who I sit under or whatever. I want you to seize the opportunity and to actually look at growing and taking the steps where your leader, if you've got a good leader, the leader will gladly get out of the way, providing you're a fit person to lead. Now, in the United Kingdom, um, when we were over there a few months back, or six months ago, we found this out. The Church of England of the United Kingdom has got 6,000 churches that doesn't have a minister. 6,000 churches. And some of those churches actually have a person, a minister, that's overseeing perhaps a dozen churches. Um, There are other churches that don't have a minister at all. And they did an in-depth survey here, and one of the incredible things they found out was that the churches that did not have a minister um, overseeing them as well as a bunch of other churches, they were actually doing better than the churches that did have a minister. You know Why? It's because the people in the church actually had to stand up and assume responsibility for the church. And they grew as a result and the church became healthier as a result rather than actually having in place a minister who's overseeing a dozen churches or half a dozen churches and having that sense of dependency where they have to ask permission or they feel like they have to ask permission to actually uh, before they can actually do anything. It's the same principle. Peter grew when Jesus got out of the way. Now, I'd like to encourage you today to make the decision to come out from being behind someone else and decide to put up your hand, perhaps to lead a small group. I'd like you to make that decision. I'd like you to make that decision. It is guaranteed to help you grow if you do this. If you decide to put up your hand the next step is that we'll talk to you about it we'll see what training you need and we'll work out a time frame and and a journey to help you get it there now if you decide that it's time that you did this um i want you to tell me about it and there are a couple of ways you can do it you can scan that qr code now um, or you can just email tim at towerace.com.au or send me a text on 0419 Five, eight, two, seven, eight, one. Um, whichever way, I want you to tell me that you want to position yourself to actually lead a small group, position yourself to grow, put yourself into the environment where I get out of the way, and others get out of the way to actually help you grow. Just as there came a time when Peter stepped out from behind Jesus. Today may present an opportunity for you to also step out from behind someone else and to step forward in growing as a leader. The first thing, Jesus got out of the way. The second thing is the Holy Spirit came and was poured out on Peter and others. You see, the Holy Spirit brought supernatural empowerment. And when the Holy Spirit is being poured out, and the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out any time, every time, the the prayer of the early church was come, Holy Spirit. There's no limit here. But what should you do? What should you do to receive? I'll tell you, be like a sponge. Do you know what a sponge does? Yeah, it just soaks it up. It doesn't do a lot. It doesn't have to go, oh, come, 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 come. It's just being relaxed and just saying, come, Holy Spirit. Come and being prepared to to soak up the goodness and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter had his mind open to new thinking. You know, in Luke chapter twenty four, verse forty five, um, as Jesus was departing, it, it says that Jesus opened their minds, the minds of the disciples, so they could understand the Scriptures. And, you know, that is one of the critical things that happens when, when we, as we embrace the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit falls upon us, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. It's like there's, there's new insight, new understanding, new revelation, a new fire that comes into our lives. So what did Peter do? Well, Peter saw through new eyes and with new understandings this happened. The passage from Joel was already beginning to be fulfilled. Um, already, where it says, "Your sons and daughters will prophesy." Well, how do they prophesy? Is it something they conjure up? No, they're hearing from God. They're getting thinking from God. They're getting thoughts from a the father. They're getting getting words from a the father. they are then becoming the mouthpiece for and prophesying. So it's, just, it's these news new ways of thinking these new paradigms these new thoughts which aren't from our own sense of wisdom or experience but rather it's what God's saying to us your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions where where do the visions come from is God infiltrating our, our thoughts God being able to 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 give us the visions give us the pictures And us being open to it, without trying to control what the the visions are, without trying to think, no, it can't be you, God, no, it can't be you, and pushing him away, of actually saying, come, Holy Spirit. If there's something that you want to say to me right now, if there's a vision or a dream that you want to give me right now, come, Holy Spirit. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy the result was that a new Peter emerged. Peter then became a catalyst for others to grow as he had. So it wasn't just that Peter had, wow, all of a sudden, look what I've done. Look look how God's done with me. Look how I've grown. Now, Peter's role was then to actually go and minister to others all over the known world, in, in his case, to actually see others receive the Holy Spirit and be subject to the same opportunity for growth that he was. Friends, as we're drawing to a close, I want you to know that God wants to use you and he wants to empower you so you don't have to rely on your own strength so that you can rely on his. And he wants you to live your life supernaturally. His, and his promise is that everyone can receive the Holy Spirit in doing this. In finishing, I invite you to pray. Pray. For someone. Whether it be at your table or somewhere else. And to be prayed for. That you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. This passage here is talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. Upon every man and every woman and every child. How do you do this? Well... First of all, don't pray for someone without asking if you can. And it's their right to say no. It's their right. You can't force yourself upon someone. But I'd love you to go up to someone and actually say, do you mind if I pray for you, that the Holy Spirit be poured out upon you? Sharon and I will be up front here, and we're we're happy to pray for people who want to, to come up here for prayer as well. But even more than that, I just want people around the tables or at a different table to be able to do that. You don't have to come to us. I want you to fill three to move around. So just on the screen, you'll see. Is it okay if I pray for you? Ask. Perhaps you might ask someone, do you mind praying for me? Perhaps it's your husband or your wife or someone totally different. And then come, Holy Spirit, and pour yourself out on Stephen, whoever it might be. Bless them with all the gifts and empowerment that you have for them. And the other thing that you can just do is just talk around your tables about, about out of what we've spoken about today. What's really hit you out of what we've talked about today? I'm just going to pray. And then when I finish praying, I just ask that you, you then spend time just as I've asked. Come, Holy Spirit. I thank you that all of those years ago that Peter read the prophecy of Joel saying that you would be poured out on all people irrespective of age or gender or social class or ethnicity. And I ask that today, that you pour yourself out on the men and the women and the children who are here today, that you'll renew our thinking, that you'll give us pictures, that you'll give us words, prophetic words, that you'll impart gifts to each and every one of us, Come, Holy Spirit, and pour yourself out upon us today. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed the message and that's had great impact on you. If you want prayer, would like to connect with us further, or you just have questions, we would love to chat. You can find us at www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au, or you can find us on Facebook. Have a great week.